It's a Friday edition of Locked On Hornets. Me and Doug, we're just going to throw things at each other based on what we learned in the first full week of games for the Charlotte Hornets. Then we'll preview this weekend, all today on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And as always, that includes YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's Doug Branson. You can find his sub stack, every Hornets box score.com. Go check it out right now. Go subscribe right now. You can also find him and his information on subtext where you get to text Doug all sorts of crazy Hornets thoughts. And then he tries to match you your craziness. And then he sends them to you. And it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. It's chaotic. But it's beautiful nonetheless. It's true. You can send me your Nick Nick picks. Nick Richards, Nick Smith Jr. Yeah. Just send me your okay. Nick picks. Okay. <laughs> you didn't expect it. I just it's Friday. I just wanted to throw something at you. Where you said it in the open. We're gonna throw things at each other. I just wanted That's to throw true. you a pitch that you weren't expecting. I didn't catch that one. Reset the counter. I didn't catch it. I'm Walker Mail. You can catch me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Yeah, I like this style. You pitched this to me, immediately bought in. I like this style of show that we're going to be putting on for all the listeners today. We're going to be just throwing what we learned at each other, somewhat rapid fire, and it's going to be really the whole show. In the third segment, we'll preview what's to come this weekend. Two games, Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back, Indiana Saturday, Dallas Sunday, both on the road. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But Doug, since it's your idea, why don't you just kick us off here? Where do you want to go with what you learned in the first full week of games? I learned I, well, I'll tell you before I start with the Hornet stuff, I've learned that uh, I have a baby because I have three coffee cups on my desk and I just picked up one and I'm, I'm not sure that this is the one this morning Ooh. that I put hot coffee in. I've got a one and talk about bet the buzz. I've got a one in three chance that okay. this has hot coffee in it. The other ice cold coffee because I have a baby and she was up very late last night and my brain is mashed potatoes. So let's see. Drum roll, please. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I hate it's hot coffee. coffee. It's hot coffee. I did it. Yeah. All right. Nice job. What nice job. did I learn this week? I think the biggest thing that we learned this week is that LaMelo's not right. And he might be broken, probably not forever, but he is <laughs> he, he's, he's not right. Let's certainly hope not forever. Yes, that was real nonchalant. Talk about throwing things out there. I certainly hope not forever. Well, You're there's right a non-zero that. chance. There's a non-zero chance that whatever is ailing him, um, and, and you know, in the in the era of the Lonzo Ball injury and the era of yeah. what we're dealing with with Cody Martin, you can't put that. I put that percentage very very low, less than a percent chance. But there's a non-zero chance that something is going on that's going to linger forever. But I don't think that's the case. I think he will get back into a groove. But right now, you look at the way that his offense is operating in that Rockets game. He's moving a little too fast. His shots are coming a little too quick. That's affecting the the way they can play defense and transition against some of these teams. His shot is not going in. And somebody, uh, I think it was a mellow like Stan account on IG, uh, posted a replay of one of these running three-point shots that yeah. he's 
that he's just patented at this point. Like it's one of his shots. He, you know, just takes a couple of steps into a three point shot. That's that tends to be a little bit deeper. And the one, the, the couple that he took in the Rockets game, you could see like the left, the left and the right leg are not really in sync. The, it looks like he doesn't want to land very hard on that right ankle that he fractured. And so you have to wonder at that point, is something wrong? And, and that's what that Stan account was speculating. And even LaMelo replied and said, uh, essentially, we're going to get this thing right. And so LaMelo recognizes that there's something not right. He's working on it. That should make fans, I think, breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief that there is some recognition from yeah. LaMelo that, hey, we're going to get this thing right. All right. So you go. Well, I, allow me to throw a couple at you here. Go, so because you're going with someone that's not in rhythm, you're going to go with the main guy that's not in rhythm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the second guy. I'm going to go with Mark Williams, which I believe if Mark Williams is only cleared uh, a week or two beforehand, then I believe he might be take a little time getting up to the conditioning level. A little bit more of an excuse for LaMelo because it was a lower body injury and Mark Williams had a thumb injury. I would think you could still be in better condition than what LaMelo could because of the injury. Mark was in the first game, but he wasn't in the next three. And so for me, Doug, what I learned this week is that Mark Williams is no longer the outlier for, quote, progress isn't always linear people like Mm -hmm. myself. Now he is solidly in that category. And it makes sense. It's really hard to break from that. We can go to plenty of stars in the league that were great in their rookie year, maybe took a step back their second season, or just in stretches of each season looked like the guy, and then somebody would overtake them as the best player from that class. We see it all the time. We've had the Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton conversation. I mean, we have it with our own star here on this team. With Mark Williams, we might be going through that with Walker Kessler, Jalen Duran, and Mark Williams. Now, I don't know if Mark's ever been considered better than those two, but we certainly had that convo of he wasn't too far off based off the way he finished last year. Yeah. First game this season, man, I mean, just what a wow performance. <laughs> we thought he had been infiltrated by aliens from space. We had not seen that at in, in a center a long time in Charlotte. And then the next three games, even the eight for eight game against the Nets. I think if you watch the game, you could still see defensively there were some problems. He still has good stretches, but I, it, it wasn't as, okay, we're just continuing up the escalator at an even pace and we're just going to get better and better and better and better. We did the first game. Next three, there was some stuff to be desired there. Yeah, two things with Mark. One, he got a little bigger in the offseason. I think he's got a little bit more room to grow physically, not taller or longer, but get stronger. And and if he does that, is there a point where he gets confident enough with his body to throw that weight around? That's what we're all waiting for, right? We want him to actually get physical, start to try to push some guys around, and, and maybe he needs to get a little bit stronger. Maybe that does happen over the course of this season into next season, but you want to see him go one-on-one with some of these stronger centers in the league and be able to hold his own. That's what we'll be looking for all year. The other thing with Mark is that I think they need to do a better job of getting him involved in pick-and-roll situations 100%. offensively to get yep. him in the groove. Because like I, I'm going to throw the Nets game away because the Nets game was a weird game where they went small, and so he was very involved early, but that's because the Nets wanted him to be. They were like, all right, we're going to give you that. We're going to take away everything else. So like the Hornets played right into their trap, essentially. 
But in games where there are traditional lineups, they've got to get Lame- – I think it's going to help both LaMelo and Mark to get involved in that pick and roll. And even Gordon Hayward said it. The best way to get out of a gr- to get out of a funk that LaMelo is in is to get everyone else involved. He, you know, LaMelo is an amazing passer. Let him play make for a little while, and that's going to yeah. increase his confidence – which I think will feed back into his offense and help Mark as well. Yeah. So the other thing I'll throw at you too is speaking of rhythm. I, so I've known for a long time since the first stint that Steve Clifford is a big rhythm guy. In fact, Doug, a story for me, my origin story is the first ever question that I ever asked in a press conference was to Steve Clifford about Cody Zeller getting back in a rhythm. And he said, yeah, I totally agree with that. Oh, man, young Walker male, he was a made man. That's all I needed to hear. My first ever question, nailed it. Steve Clifford agreed. But this is my thing. What I learned this week is that Steve Clifford has had more rhythm than ever before. <laughs> it's it's Lamelo, It's Mark Williams. I, he uses it all the time for guys coming back from injury. He believes in it. I get that. I, I like that he believes in that, that you can't expect people to perform right away as soon as they were injured. I know you view them as excuses now. I get that. Hopefully, I'm just tired of he's the word. right. I'm with you, though. I'm just tired of the word. It's a. It's become a buzzword, if you will, if you'll allow me. It's become that. And I'm just tired of hearing the rhyme, it. Doug. It's Hornets time. I mean, on, he, you're right. He does believe in it. It is almost like mm-hmm. a, a, like a religion for him. Rhythm is a religion. Rhythm is the Hornets God at this point, And their, their God has forsaken them, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, hopefully there is a second coming of rhythm. I think that's all the Hornets can hope at this point. But I'm tired of hearing the word. And, and I'm, I'm tired of them coming out and allowing 39 points in a first quarter. To me, that's not rhythm. I think, I think Clifford is yeah. trying, Clifford is trying to sort of, ride it on two roads at this point like one is hey there are obviously some issues that i can't control guys are getting back into shape because they were injured and didn't do contact until right before camp and then there's this other thing where like they're also not trying on defense (laughs) you know like that's not a rhythm thing like not trying on defense is not a rhythm thing i will tell you it has made me an expert at spelling rhythm fast and correctly the first time that did not used to happen i used to catch that second h the second h will get you yep well, it's the Y because it feels oh. like the Y could also go after the TH at the end. But now, not anymore. Nope, I'm good. I know exactly what I'm doing when I spell rhythm. You want to hit us with one more before we go to the next break? Uh, the Thank Hornets you. are, they need to get tougher fast. I mean, I think that's the big thing from this week, too. If I had to pick a 1A or 1 and 1A, it'd be LaMelo and toughness at this point, more physicality. It kind of goes into what we were talking about with, uh, with Mark Williams. Uh, the whole team, though, needs to get tougher, especially in first quarters, especially coming out of that second half. Uh, they got blitzed uh, and on both counts against the Houston Rockets. They got blitzed by the Nets in the first quarter. They, they've got to start hitting these teams because teams are hitting them. Detroit did the same thing. They're getting punked, and they have, so far through the season, th- for the first couple of games, they have the easiest schedule. Like If you look at strength of schedule, they have the easiest schedule. They're 1-3, and three, and some bad teams have punked them. So they've, they've got to find some pride in that locker room. Okay, we continue to go down the list. A little more rapid fire coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. 
we continue to talk about what we learned in this week's the first week uh first full week of games for the charlotte hornets coming up in just a moment this episode is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america they're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports it's just you against the numbers and instead of batting and battling not batting battling thousands of other players including pros and sharks you pick more uh, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch the winnings just roll on in. With the new basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball with the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can link up LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo. Three-pointers made for LeBron, receptions for Travis Kelsey, See if you can hit that 10 and a half combo. That's a lot of fun. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. That's huge. I think people that play daily fantasy sports know how uh, big that is. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sport platform with any injury insurance policy. Again, I think that is a huge deal. Go <laughs> I to wish Prize that's Picks. how it worked in actual sports, by the way. <laughs> I wish guy yeah. goes down the first half, reboot him. I think prize picks if you can implement a rhythm policy i would be a huge fan of that for the charlotte hornets go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 more locked on hornets coming up next i'm gonna have to turn Lamelo off and back on again what did we learn? I'll lead us off on this one here, Doug, since you let us off the first time. So if we just go rapid fire, let's go to the next biggest storyline. We've kind of been going in that order anyway. Brandon Miller, what I learned, the shot translates, translates pretty well. Um, the only thing I was I was worried about how much he was going to be able to get that shot off because it's a low release point. And from the three-point line, I didn't have a ton of worry about it. I did with the short corner, maybe people or the corner three, maybe people closing out, but mid range, I was afraid of it for sure. And he's gotten by the step back worked for him a couple of times. There have been a couple mid range shots, especially against Houston, where I think they were more physical with him. He did draw the foul on Jay Sean Tate, who was playing real physical at the elbow, but Brandon Miller, the shot making is incredible. He's also doing other things, making winning plays as Steve Clifford calls it. He's making winning plays for this team. We knew about his basketball IQ. That was one of the biggest reasons as to why you might draft him number two overall. He's been incredible. But if we were to dwindle this down into one specific thing, yes, he's he's made really smart plays. All that really helps. But, man, the shot making, the, the three-point shot, the mid-range, it's working for Brandon. I've learned that Brandon Miller is not afraid of the moment. He hit a clutch yeah. three in that game against uh, Houston uh, that, that brought the lead down to five. If a couple of other guys would have hit a couple more shots, they they might have even uh, stolen a win there. Uh, so he's not afraid of the moment. And Clifford recognizes that and is playing him in like serious minutes. And that's a positive thing. And I think it's a stepping so stone to eventually starting him. I don't think that happens within the next couple of weeks. But I think you're already I think it's already I would bet I wouldn't bet against it that he's starting this season at some point. I mean, it just seems obvious that he's he's ready for the moment and it's just a matter of when the Hornets actually want to pull the plug 
on some of the veterans that, that are probably not long for this franchise. So we'll see there. The other thing that I learned is that the Hornets are playing too fast right now. Uh, their pace right now sits at 104.8. They are third in the league in pace. Washington is number one at 107.3. Indiana, who they'll play this weekend, is tied with them at 104.8. But listen to some of these records of teams with high pace so far, like super high pace. Uh, Washington one and three, Indiana two and two, Charlotte one and three, Atlanta's three and two. They're next on the list. Memphis is zero and five. Sacramento two and two. Utah two and four. The list goes on and on. You have to go down to Boston uh, to to get to um, you know a team that is actually doing pretty well at four and zero, um, and they're ninth in pace. I think we're actually exiting the era of pace and space. I don't think space is going away, but I think pace is going away because if you look at last season, the best teams in the league. We're playing slow. I mean, Cleveland, Miami, Dallas, Philly, New York, Toronto, Brooklyn, uh, the Clippers, Phoenix, Denver. I just read you the bottom 10 teams in pace last season. All of those teams won more than 40 games except for Dallas. and They barely missed the playoffs. So I think teams are starting to understand you, you still need an ISO player. You still need to slow the game down in, in order um, uh, to, to control the game. And so I think we're actually exiting an era of pace and space. And the Hornets don't have a ton of ISO players, so I think they think it's necessary to play high pace. But it's hurting them right now because their shot selection is booty. How much of that is LaMelo? Because I think LaMelo is an immediate catalyst to any offense you put him on. And if you try to slow them down, I think that hurts the offense, though, right? Even with LaMelo, because if we're having a problem with his pick-and-roll decision-making, which was an issue beforehand, and if it's an issue still, we want to get him out in transition. We want to see the magic, right? The the full-court pass down. We that That's what I'm worried about. It, it feels like even last year when the offensive rating was good with LaMelo in there, LaMelo was you know running a, a fast break quite a bit. So you're, you're totally right, and it's why I think the Hornets just fundamentally are, are not a great offensive team and, and won't yeah. be because they have to play fast. Even though the league is telling us slower teams, 40-plus <laughs> wins, they have to play fast because they do not have the Luka, the KD. They don't have the Jimmy Butler. They don't have the amazing ISO player who can uh, you know, drown the shot clock and then actually make a shot. They have to get easy points in transition or they do not play well in, uh, uh, offensively. But the, the thing that I'm saying is they're playing too fast. They have to play fast. We know that, but they're playing too fast. They've got to find a way to slow it down a little bit in order to actually execute effectively on offense and allow themselves to play defense because so many of these uh, games where they've played poor defensively and quarters where they've played poor defensively is because they are taking absolutely awful shots that another team is quickly catching and taking to the other end for for an easy layup. Um, One other one I've learned, one other thing that I've learned this full week, I think we're getting a pretty damn close to perfect mix of what PJ Washington is supposed to be Mm -hmm. PJ in the first few games was not shooting the three ball. Well at all, a large part of his offensive success was really dictated by how well he was shooting the three, but that wasn't the case this year. Not at the beginning. If you look at the first three games, despite him not shooting well from three, the guy was still really good offensively. There was only one game where he shot under 50%. And I guess if you're taking more twos, that would make sense. 
but he's also shooting what 65% on two point field goals, 64% on uh no, excuse me, 66. All right. 66. That's the final number. Pick but a yeah, number. I, that that's, it's such a large jump from what he had going last year with the basketball in his hands a lot more. You had to rely on him because of all the injuries. And so what's weird, Doug, I, I didn't expect this, the field goal attempts. He's actually taking one more field goal attempt per game this year so far than he did last year, despite all of the injuries, the usage percentage, it's actually somewhat identical, but it does feel like he's being set up by LaMelo PJ going at beef stew. Like it feels like the dogs in that Detroit game were Brandon Miller, your rookie PJ Washington and Terry Rozier shocker shaker Heights own baby. Those were the three dogs in that Detroit game, which I love seeing PJ being highly efficient. The three point percentage is good now, but that's only because of one game. He wasn't shooting well before. What, what can I say, man? I, I mean, PJ going small ball center really helped out in that Nets game. Just give you some yeah. hope, even if it was false hope that they could come back and win it after I, I like what we're getting. I like what we're getting. I'll, I'll do the Steve Clifford, Brandon Miller, Jeremy Lamb thing. I like what we're getting Ooh. offensively. Uh, I, I would say if you look at the numbers, rebounding, steal percentage, foul percentage, block percentage, they depended on P.J. Washington a lot for like help blocks. And maybe maybe that changes if he plays alongside Mark Williams a lot. I think it does. I think you've seen it change quite a bit, especially with rebound. Because think about the rebounding game that he helped out. It was against the Nets when Mark wasn't playing, and so they had to rely on P.J. His yeah. role changes, and then he battles down low. And you're not having a whole lot of help side block because Mark is supposed to be protecting, and that's on well, Mark. But I mean, they're supposed to be. I, I think they need PJ Washington <laughs> well, to be, and they've said as much. They need to him to be a significantly better rebounder than he's been over the course of his career, which he has been one of the worst rebounding bigs according to cleaning the glass his entire career. I mean, he I don't think he's ever been above like the 30th percentile yeah. in his entire career, but it's maintaining. Right now they have him at the 12th percentile in field goals, offensive rebound percentage and uh near dead last in defensive rebounding percentage. I'm I'm not asking him to be in the 70th percentile or even the 50th percentile, but like to be de almost dead last, like it's got to be better than that. They need I know it's a lot. It's a big ask because he's scoring a lot, and that, so that's what I think needs to happen. Ultimately, is you've got to get Lamelo and Mark to play better so that PJ can focus less on knocking down a bunch of shots because they need that to even stay above their head above water offensively. But he's got to focus on some of these other things. Um, so, so a lot of these things are going to sort of counterbalance one another. Miles Bridges' return is going to be the real test. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I, that that's what I'm fascinated to see what the true pj washington role is going to be and then i think hopefully that stuff evens out rebounding you're right he's never been great you want to move on you want to got uh no rapid fire right now no responses rapid fire what okay. did you learn um what i learned is that terry rogier has been giving us stretches of grown-up basketball like yeah. what i'm seeing from terry rogier in some certain stretches do you have another one uh, Bally's needs to rest in hell. They've got to go no. away. I mean, four four straight nights of issues. I like Kyle Bailey's take. Uh, he's he's your fellow uh, WFNZ. -er. I like his take that that he thinks that the NBA and teams are like hacking ballot. I, I think he doesn't really think this, oh, but yes. he, yeah, his joke is like that the teams and the NBA are hacking uh, the the Bally's uh, to bring it down so that they can get out of the contract. I would love that. Time to go to local. Um, speaking of Miles Bridges, what I learned is that based off what we've seen, I think fans are going to fully embrace Miles Bridges' return, and we're already seeing it.
Uh, I think Cody Martin is nowhere near a return. I'm at this point. I'm bang. I, I wouldn't bank on him returning at all this season. I mean, I just yeah. I, I can't. I can't even envision it at this point. Last one. The Walkers are the only one that likes the City Edition unis. I, me, David <laughs> Walker, we're the only ones. We're teaming up, and we're the only ones that like them. Uh, no, I think I, I will disagree. I've seen a lot of love, particularly for Charlotte's. Now, the City Edition unis in general, yes, I think there's been a lot of negativity, but I think people oh, yeah, have been, been grading the Hornets uniforms on a curve, and I think there's two groups of people. There are people that are grading it on a curve, and there are people that are in my camp, which is trauma, too close to New Orleans, the hedge fund bros didn't realize that they were going to bring up all of this trauma and this hurt from the team moving to New Orleans. But those unis look like they belong on Chris Paul, not on LaMelo Ball. Mm, ouch. Okay. All right. That's it for me. You good? I'm good. All right. Let's do a preview. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Back-to-back games this weekend, one against Indiana, one against Dallas. What do we expect to see? We'll talk about it coming up next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can score early and often this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. Indiana Saturday, Dallas Sunday, the first back-to-back on the schedule so far. What do you expect to see from the Charlotte Hornets? You can pick Indiana, Dallas, back-to-back, wherever you want to take us, Doug. What do you uh, what do you expect to see this weekend? Well, I think the good news for the Hornets is that both Indiana and the Dallas Mavericks have won a single basketball game because for the past three straight contests, the Hornets have faced a team that were winless, and they decided to give that team their very first win. So <laughs> maybe that bodes well. And even Steve Clifford, I don't, I didn't hear the quote. I just read the quote. But I'm, I'm thinking that he said this a little sarcastically. Well, he essentially said that the team needs a little bit better competition, I guess, uh, to play better because they've had the easiest schedule in the NBA so far. They started one and three, and they've played all of these winless teams and given them wins. So Indiana and Dallas, they've gotten that out of the way. Uh, now the question is, can LaMelo get his groove back? And Walker, uh, you know, he's played really well against your favorite team in the NBA, the Indiana Pacers, uh, over Don't the course of his career. So that's good news. Um, yes, he really has. No, th- this is the team, right? It's always Indiana and Milwaukee for LaMelo. Those are the teams that you feel LaMelo can just go nuclear against. Uh, we've seen the clutch moments against Milwaukee. I-, I went back to the opener two years ago against Indiana when LaMelo's first half was like, okay, wasn't great. And then second half just explodes. We've seen it a couple of times. Also, Indiana, aren't they just giving up like 140 points a game? Is that still happening? Or do I just remember that from just the the opener? I mean, not 140, but it didn't seem like their defense has been very good to start off. Oh, no. Indiana's defense is absolutely awful. I think yeah. they're <laughs> okay. second to I'm last not. in the NBA. And the Hornets aren't very good either. I think they're 25th. And neither, neither are the Mavs. This is going to be an interesting matchup between uh, this weekend between three teams that are Well, I would say Indiana and Dallas, they're top 10 offensively. They've been playing really well offensively, not been playing much defense. The Hornets have been okay offensively, although I would say fundamentally they are bad offensively. They've had a couple of good fourth quarters when it really didn't matter, but uh, they've been playing okay offensively by the numbers, and they've been playing bad defensively. So uh, we'll see if any of these three teams 
decide to lock it down. Uh, but back to the the stats on LaMelo versus Indiana, he has uh, one career triple-double and a couple of almost triple-doubles where he was one, one or two assists away against Indiana. And he's averaged 22 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 7.9 assists, one steal in his uh, time shooting, 55% from the field and 47% from three against Indiana over his career. Now, there is some bad juju because I think that Indiana, if I'm, he's only played 25 minutes in the game, that January 8th game. I'm pretty sure that was one of the games that he, uh, that he injured his ankle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. There's a Washington, so. there's an Indiana. It's like, which, what were the, what were the teams? I feel like there well, was a Boston Houston in too. there. B- Boston. Boston's in there. Yeah. Boston's in there from preseason, I think from, from beforehand. So yeah, you had, those are the teams. Those are the revenge tour teams. This it, it all starts this weekend with LaMelo going against Indiana. Yeah. The defense is terrible. I hope this is where LaMelo can start to get going. And and the other thing too, I, I, we tried to get the Hawks Hornets rivalry going with the pig trophy. That's been fun. Uh, that's your only win. Then you had Detroit where there was some beef there with beef stew. So Okay, maybe that could be a developing rivalry. I think you do have the Tyrese Halliburton Lamelo rivalry here. I, I don't. It's mm. not a big one, but I know that Lamelo stands fans of Lamelo Ball do not like Tyrese because he was the guy on the other side of the country with Sacramento at the time, winning every single Western Conference Rookie of the Month award. People would point to him, say he's a better point guard. Tyrese now makes the uh, all-star game last year flirts with all NBA. I don't, did he get all NBA? I know he was, I know he's certainly close to it. So this is another one of those. Okay. Uh, Anthony Edwards, people think that he's past LaMelo Tyrese think people think Tyrese is past LaMelo. Could this be one where LaMelo reminds people, Hey, I, I still belong in this category and I'm even above these guys that you have ranked ahead of me. If I'm on the coaching staff, if I'm on the PR staff, I'm working right now to do some screenshot clippings collection for LaMelo Ball of all of these rank lists that have Tyrese Halliburton uh, further up the list than LaMelo Ball. Yes. Uh, get Matt Moore's list from Locked on Nuggets, uh, Hardwood Paroxysm, <laughs> yes. get that list out and show it to LaMelo and say, all right, this is the beginning of you turning that narrative around. Uh, hopefully it starts this weekend. PJ's got a narrative against the Mavs. He played really well against them last season in those two contests right at the end of the season where the Hornets, they essentially knocked the Mavs out of the playoffs. I don't know how the Mavs feel about that, if there's any love lost there, if they're going to look for some revenge uh, for getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Hornets. But uh, PJ last season scored 28, 6, and 3 with two steals and a block in the first contest on 50% shooting. And then in the second contest, it was – like two or three days apart, he scored 21 points, 12 rebounds, a little double-double, four assists, one steal, one block uh, on 41% shooting, but he did shoot 37.5% from three in that game. So, yeah, he's locked in against the Mavs. Hopefully LaMelo's locked in against the Pacers because the Hornets, they could use, you know, I think it would be a stretch to say they could get both of these games, but if they could steal one of these games this weekend – you're looking at a get-right week because they've got a home-and-home against the Wizards, and they're playing exactly how everyone thought the Wizards would, would play. And so you've got, a, you've got a real opportunity to get things back on track this week. If they lose to the Wizards, which is totally in play, it's going to be bad. And, and the reason it's going to be bad is because the Wizards have been the laughing stock of the NBA so far. I know we had the Harlot Hornet on the grave in TNT's graveyard. Totally get it. 
but people have been making fun of the Wizards for throwing off the backboard alley-oops down 20. <laughs> they are making fun of Jordan Poole dribbling behind his back, but his back is facing the goal and then shooting a three-pointer with Chris Stapps blocking him. I mean, there are some just fantastic blunders in the first four games from the Wizards. Please don't lose to the Wizards so the Hornets aren't the laughing stock. And I will say the Hornets are one and three right now. They've been losing respectably. I mean, I, you know, I they haven't been the right getting tone. blown out of the water. They've been getting run out of the gym in particular quarters. But over mm-hmm. the course of the game, you know, I, I don't think any of these games have been wire to wire losses. So, you know, they've been putting up a fight. There's obviously something wrong with their best players. And when something's wrong with your best players, you're going to have difficulty beating anybody in the NBA. But they're not an embarrassment yet. But you're right. There is a danger of losing both of those games to the Wizards. And then they become a complete and utter embarrassment. And a lot of people, look, whenever the Hornets lose, there's always going to be a cadre of folks that call for the head of Steve Clifford. We've been seeing this going back to the Bobcats days into his first run with the Hornets. Uh, there's just a, for it, that I didn't see with Borrego and I haven't seen with other coaches, like just particularly Clifford, people love to call for this guy's head. Um, but if they lose all of these games and, and they go 0 and 4 over the next four, the question becomes like, when does ownership, and it's tough to gauge what they're going to be like and how reactive they're going to be because ownership is not in a situation like a Matt Ishbia or a Steve Ballmer where you've got a guy who's like, this is my rich boy toy and you know, I, I'm this is I just want to mess around with it. Or David Tepper would be the obvious example for the Panthers, Best right? One. So that's not the situation here. You've got a couple of guys in charge, um, and and it's I don't know where they're at. It's tough to get a beat on like how reactive they're going to be. But I think there's some serious questions about what what you do if you do fall into like a one and ten, or you go on a really long losing streak to open this season. I think there will be some real questions about the future of Clifford and Cupchak. All right, hopefully they can avoid all of that this weekend when they take on the Pacers and the Mavericks. We'll have you covered, of course, on all of those updates that take place over the weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Hopefully, Bally works for you. That would be fantastic. So we can. I all hear Fubo. Know- I hear Fubo. I don't know if you checked yeah. out Fubo, but I hear Fubo.tv. I, I I don't know anything about it because I'm I'm a league passer because I'm not in Charlotte. Thankfully, I'm not in Charlotte. I can actually watch the Hornets. Um, but, but I hear Fubo.tv. There may be a little bit of a legal way to watch the Hornets game. So so look into that. All right. So look into Fubo. Apparently, tell us how it is if you do look up Fubo over the <laughs> because, weekend because Bally's is Fubar at this point. I was gonna, yeah. I, I was trying oh, did to make I steal it, work. it from you. Did I steal it from you? No, it's okay. No, it's fine. It's okay. All right. I'll be back with you Monday. I'll cry.